0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today with me. I want to invite you, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to drop down to verse 24. I want to talk about, maybe we could call it a little bit of an unusual subject. It's certainly a subject that's not very well explored within the body of Christ, but it has the potential to bear very rich, Uh, productive spiritual fruit. So we do need to have an awareness and a practice of this spiritual discipline. We're going to be again in Matthew chapter 13. Let's meet at verse 24. Then let's pray. Heavenly father, as we go into the study of your word, we ask that your spirit would come and bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. So that we can know Christ deeply, know his word, know his ways, know everything about him. And we thank you, Father, for revelation flowing, wisdom flowing by the anointing of your spirit as we're extracting this from your word. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. And we all say amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. You know, I'm just, I was glancing over at the monitor. And once again, I want to thank... All of our ministry partners and those of you that support the ministry with your uh, your prayers and your financial giving, I want to say thank you for the new Leica camera. I tell you what, um, when I look in the monitor, I realize how uh, amazing this camera is because it captures every detail. Can you say amen? And I, I was thinking, you know, I might have to get a little more powder or makeup <laughs> because everything... <laughs> Uh, uh, everything shows you can't hide anything, uh, which is fine. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but we're streaming in 10 p and it, it looks like 4k and that is the color science or the color magic as they call it of the Leica SL2S. Thank you so much partners for helping us to have the very best equipment for broadcasting the gospel. It is greatly appreciated. Praise God. Amen. All right, let's jump into the message. Verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Remember, if you sow good seed, you're going to have a good harvest, right? That's what we're after. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way tares are no good. Uh, they're worthless. You can't do anything with them. Uh, growing up, uh, uh, being very close to my grandfather's farm, and because both of my parents worked in the summer, me and my brothers would spend a lot of time with our grandparents. And my grandfather, was a uh, he wasn't like a full-time farmer, but he did do a lot of farming. And uh, But there were certain areas of the pasture that were not well taken care of. And if you if you let it go, uh, it's just amazing how thorns and thistles and all these forms of tares will begin to come up. I think the worst thing of all was the fire ants. This was back decades back before uh, we ever really knew what these fire ants were. Now they're all the way up to South Carolina. They don't really get over into North Carolina. It's almost like there's a hedge. The moment you get to North Carolina, uh, in many ways, the fire ants disappear. I think there's some form of blessing from the Lord on that. Now, of course, we are in higher altitude and we're in the foothills. Uh, we're very close to the mountains here where we live at. But I thank God the yucky fire ants can't come. Boy, they are some painful fellows. But my friends, all of these things, but whatever various forms of tares, these things were sown by the enemy, the devil. Uh, he is Plotting And he's working to do his mischievous deeds. And he has sown the tares. Verse 26. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. Now, when exactly did the enemy do this. He did it while men slept. This is fascinating. We need to dig into this. And I, of course, want to use scripture, but I think there is a lot of wisdom also in examining uh, real life experience within church history and as well as biblical history. Let me talk to you just for a moment about a great man of God. Uh, his name uh, is Padre Pio. He was a Catholic uh, Capuchin monk, and he was a friar, and he was a prophet. His prophetic ministry lasted over 50 years, and uh, when he died, he had over one million people attend his funeral, and still today, although he's been gone for about 50 years, he's been in heaven now, he passed away in the late 60s, even still today, um, every year, there's about six million visitors that uh, visit uh, his burial site, and they they come to pay respect for uh, uh, such a great man of God, whose ministry uh, touched the world. And Padre Pio would be a man that you could you could classify him as a charismatic Catholic. All of the gifts of the Spirit, not just some of them, all of them were an operation in his life, uh, especially the gifts that would revolve around uh, the office of a prophet such as discerning the Spirit's words of knowledge and things like that. But of course, many, many miracles in his life. But any time you start uh, reading the biography or uh, you start looking into the life of a person that is on the front lines being used by the Lord, it's not surprising very quickly to see how the enemy would attack these great men uh, and uh, these great women who stood on the forefront of proclaiming the gospel because when you're doing that you are uh, leading the 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 spearhead you're the tip of the spear you're leading that assault uh, against the kingdom of darkness and uh, you're going after souls and so the enemy really brought the heat against Padre Pio oftentimes at night and uh, this is very interesting because at nighttime, I'll give you an example. One of the one of the young monks uh, went to visit Padre Pio at night when it's time for everybody to turn in, and he just went to say goodbye. Uh, you know, not goodbye, but excuse me, good night, and so forth. And uh, Padre Pio just kind of kept talking and kept dragging out the conversation. And the young man said, "Well, Father, I, uh, you know, I need to go to I need to go to sleep. I'm, I'm getting tired." And he would say, "Well, let's talk just a little bit more." and uh he just kept getting more tired and he said he said i i've got to go to bed and he said well i I like it when you stay as long as you can because of course as soon as you leave they're going to show up and he said who's going to show up he said oh they always show up at night and uh these were fierce demonic attacks and in the early days of his of his ministry uh The men in the monastery, the monks, they could hear the battle going on in the room of Padre Pio. Now, in a monastery, they would call it a cell, the little room where the monk would live. But, I mean, you could hear chains rattling. You could hear demons screaming. You could hear physical uh, confrontations. You could hear slaps, blows, hits. I mean, it was off the charts and all the guys could hear it. (laughs) And this happened every night. (laughs) And there were times they would come in and uh, it looked like uh, the, the check on Padre Pio and it looked like he'd been in an all out physical violent confrontation, clothes tore up, hair messed up. It looked like he'd been beaten and things like that. And you, you may think initially, well, well, Pastor Stephen, maybe he didn't understand the authority of the believer. Uh, he did, and he would exercise that authority, but the enemy would push the limits uh, on doing what he could do to really disrupt this man's prayer life, to try to get him into a place where he wouldn't have peace. Because, see, if this goes on at nighttime in the morning, the moment... The sun comes up. He's in heavy demand. And uh, uh, oftentimes his day would start at 4.30 in the morning. Sometimes they would have mass with people coming from all over to attend the mass. Sometimes the mass would start at 4.30. That means he's got to be up by 2.30 to get dressed, to put on the, the religious garments that he would wear, and to do all the preparation. So the enemy knew that if he could attack him in this area, it could create vulnerabilities in his Uh, or chinks in his armor. But I tell you what, these are things that you have to understand. And I want to go a little bit further with some more examples. Um, Let me tell you about uh, Bob Jones, uh, Prophet Bob Jones. There's the Bob Jones University in South Carolina. I'm not referring to that founder of that college. I'm referring to the Prophet Bob Jones. Uh, But Bob Jones had an interesting experience. Anytime you begin to walk Uh, I wouldn't just call it the prophetic walk, but a a consecrated, committed walk to serve God, you're going to have uh, the enemy try to mess with you at nighttime. He is going to try to sow tears. He's going to try to do it at night, and he's going to try to aggravate your life. We have to know how to deal with these things. And Padre Pio would always come out victorious uh, in these situations, but it was a very real Uh, very real battle at times. Now, Bob Jones, uh, he told the story about the time where the enemy really harassed him at night. Uh, Particularly, this went on, he said, for two months severely during the month of October and November. And he said every night, the enemy would come with the most diabolical, disgusting, horrendous, uh, fear lated dreams and he would have one dream, like a, like a horrific nightmare. And uh, he'd, he'd, fight, he'd fight that off. And he'd wake up sh- screaming, no, no, because the enemy is insinuating things through these dreams that he's going to do a certain thing or and so forth. And uh, then after that dream would end, he'd, he'd try to go back to sleep. And then the enemy would send another one, you know, horrible, horrible dreams. And this went on every night for two months. Uh, the dreams were very... Uh, different each time. The dreams could be about that of a wrong spirit. They could be like a, a financial dream, like you're going to lose all of your money. It could be an emotional dream, like you're losing your mind. There could be physical uh, elements in certain dreams and then sexual perversion and other types of dreams. Uh, and so it's the enemy doing an all out assault while you're just trying to get sleep. You're just trying to get sleep and you, know, you could think, what in the world is going on? Well, these are attacks of the enemy. We have to be aware of how he operates. And the enemy would come with these certain types of dreams and say, uh, you're too old, nobody cares about you anymore, you don't have an anointing anymore, you're now irrelevant, you're discarded, God's not going to use you anymore. And he would wake up and he would have to say, I mean, coming out of these dreams, he would have to say, no, this is all a lie. This is not of God. I resist this and rebuke this in the name of the Lord. And then he would try to go back to sleep, but then the enemy would give him another one. What do you do when something like that is going on? But by the way, this is, this is not something a psychologist can fix. We thank God for those that try to bring uh, relief to those that have agony in their soul. But this is way beyond the pay grade of any psychiatric help. Why this is spiritual? These are attacks that are in the spirit realm. So it's not like you can see it. Put a sign up and say, uh, "Stop! Don't do this." <laughs> the enemy. It <laughs> does not respect uh, those things that are not uh, that don't have their origins in Christ. Praise the Lord. Excuse me while I get a drink of water. Praise God. <clears throat> So this went on for quite some time. And going into the month of December, it got worse. The attacks got worse. And he got uh, into the festival of Hanukkah. And on the last day of Hanukkah in December, uh, when these nightmarish-type dreams were very, very intense, and the enemy was suggesting things like, I'm going to kill all of your family. I'm going to burn your house down. Uh, have you ever had dreams like that where maybe somebody is chasing you or hunting you or trying to kill you or choke you or suffocate you? And you know, this is not God. This is totally satanic. Okay. So we're talking about how to deal with these types of things because they, they often hit on those that are on the front lines of prayer that are on the front lines of evangelism or involved in the work of ministry. This is, this is very, very common in the areas of ministry. You have to know how to deal with it. So uh, this was highlighted. The attacks were highlighted on the final day of Hanukkah, and it continually was disrupting Bob's sleep. And so he is going around during the daytime exhausted because he can hardly get any sleep at night because the enemy is tormenting him at night. So he's got to stay up, pray it off, And he just basically is losing all of his sleep. So one day he said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. This is the last day of the festival of Hanukkah. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. And he thought to himself, this could be a good time to catch a nap because the devil has been keeping me up all night. He's probably tired too. He's probably taking one. So I'm going to take a nap also. (laughs) So he laid down on the bed and he said the moment His head touched the pillow. He was gone in the spirit realm. And he was taken to the throne room of God in heaven in a vision. And he found himself there at the throne room with he and his wife, Viola. And they were standing there before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he noticed something very beautiful that was taking place. He said that uh, there would be couples that would come up before the throne of Jesus and they would present gifts to him and they would say, Happy Conception Day, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was not born on Hanukkah, but Jesus was conceived uh, during the Feast of Hanukkah. Woo! Isn't that beautiful to know? Amen. And, and by the way, yes, life does begin at conception. If you abort a baby, you have murdered a living child and if 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 anybody's watching a woman if you've ever done that there's forgiveness in Christ but when you get to heaven you're going to meet that child that son or daughter so if you haven't gotten that ironed out with the Lord please do so because this is an awful lie being pushed in our modern society that um you know it's it's just they call it a fetus Well, fetus is a Latin word that simply means an unborn baby. It's the baby inside who's alive and living that hasn't come out yet. But how many of you know also that those lies about conception and so forth, uh, we're seeing really that all along these uh, atheistic um, liberals, they know that's a lie because now they're wanting to kill the baby even after it's been born. So they're trying to move the goalpost, as we would say, when it comes to truth. But truth is timeless. Truth is the same now as it was a thousand years ago. It's the same now as it will be 10,000 years from now. The murder of an unborn baby uh, is a a great atrocity in the eyes of God. So if you've ever had any part of that, you need to, uh, and, and even if you were the guy, And you didn't, you know, you're not the lady that's actually going to the abortion clinic, but if you're the guy that supported that and said, yeah, this is what we need to do, then that's something also that you need to have cleansed and you need to receive forgiveness for because it was a, it's a heinous act. It is murder and it's very, very serious. Uh, There's something that God loves more than anything else. And that's people that includes babies that includes the unborn who cannot protect themselves. So we have to protect them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Bob noticed that these couples, married couples, would go before the Lord, and they would bring a gift to him, and they would say, Happy Conception Day, Jesus. Woo! Praise God. He watched as one couple went before the Lord with, the. he said, the most beautiful basket of sun-kissed oranges. By the way, in these things, there's a lot of pro- prophetic symbolism, sun-kissed oranges. In other words, kiss the sun. Uh, oftentimes you get in the prophetic flow with visions and many things they carry certain meanings but they brought these beautiful sun-kissed oranges to the Lord and they said happy conception day Jesus and then another couple would come before the Lord and uh, one couple came before the Lord with the most beautiful peaches and they would give the basket of peaches to the Lord and say happy conception day Jesus and when Bob saw this going on he began to weep and he, he started crying and then a man came up to him and stood by his side and said, Bob, why are, you, why are you crying? He said, because I don't have anything to present to the Lord. And by the way, Bob said that every time he's ever encountered that man, he can never see the face of the man. Why? It's the Holy Spirit. And I've noticed that about the Holy Spirit. I've had encounters with the Holy Spirit, but I've, I've never, I, I know it's God. I, I know it's he's in the form of a, of a man, of a, of a, of a God being, but I've never been able to discern his face. Praise God. And so the Holy Spirit said, Bob, why are you, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? He said, I don't have anything to present to the Lord. And the man said, look down. And he looked down and there was a beautiful basket full of the most luscious grapes. Bob said he had never seen grapes like this ever before. And he was so happy. Now he and Viola have something to present to the Lord. So they go before the Lord uh, together and they present the basket of grapes to him. And something amazing happened. Jesus said, "Uh, Bob, do you know where you got those grapes? And he said, no. And this is what the Lord said to him. Every time you said no to the devil during the last two months, you were bearing fruit. Now, I want to say something in context and this ties into my message. Technically, he was bearing fruit when at night. Did you know that you can bear the most lavish spiritual fruit in the eyes of God at nighttime? Sure, the day belongs to the Lord as well, and you can you can have wonderful things take place with the Lord. We certainly wouldn't limit it to an hour. Or, or something like that, or, you know, a certain time or moment. But I'm just saying at nighttime, you can have tremendous encounters with the Lord that produce fruit. So the Lord said uh, to Bob, do you know where you got those grapes? He said, no. And the Lord responded, every time you said no to the devil, the last two months you were bearing fruit. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. So this also brings us into a different uh area of thought that we have to consider. Did you know that the Lord can use the devil almost as uh, like like a trainer? Or uh, I'm not saying the devil trains you, but the, the Lord can work through the devil's aggravations and how he would try to harass, and he can actually use that for our benefit. What do you mean, Pastor Stephen? Well, let me ask you this. If you had not had that awful Horrific nightmare type dream that caused you to wake up and it was so disturbing and so unsettling that you actually had to pray it off and pray to get back into the peace of God. If you had not had had that dream, which was a product of an attack by a demon, would you have gotten up at two o'clock in the morning to pray? Oh no, Pastor Stephen, I would have slept all night long. See, then the devil, God can use the devil, even as, as in the sense as a servant where God can take that bad and turn it and use it for good to develop you. And next thing you know, you're up praying at two o'clock in the morning. Now the, the, uh, the conditions that got you up and praying, perhaps, perhaps you would have desired a more positive wake up call, (laughs) but, but nevertheless, what's the end result? Uh, it's dark. It's the middle of the night and you're up doing what you're up praying. Mm -mm. And you know, the whole thing is that you might realize, Hey, I didn't like the attack, but I do like, getting up and praying. Wow, what a peaceful time to pray. And so you come into discoveries. And so the Lord can work through these types of things. Whenever I visit nations that would be uh, predominantly, uh, the religious influence would be Islam. And I hear the call of prayer. And, you know, you have the five calls of prayer that uh, go along with the Muslim Religion, so if i 'm in Indonesia or, or somewhere like that, and I hear the call to prayer, and the first one's usually right around five thirty uh, maybe like five twenty six in the morning well, I get up I get up i why well, first of all, because of the noise it's going it 's going to wake you up you know the big you know uh, it's it 's the sound and then it's the voice of the of the man that 's calling uh, the people to pray well i 'm like, well, I heard it woke me up, might as well get up and pray they 're going to get up and go spend time with the um, uh, the God that they uh, have yielded their lives to, well, I'm going to get up to a bit. So just use it. Just use it. Use all things for good. Use anything for good that can get you closer to God. Praise the Lord. And you know what? You'll bear fruit. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So fight through these things, these attacks at night. Get up and pray. Don't just lay there in some kind of a, uh, you know, uh, slumber where the enemy is just pounding you uh no no get up get up and pray spend time with god wake up and shout no 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 devil no 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 get up and pray get back into the peace of the lord this is something that those that walk particularly in what we would call like the mystic path are very very familiar with um this is par for the course and you have to you have to know how to deal with these things And you mainly do it by getting up and praying Praise God. By the way, did you know that every morning at three o'clock the Dalai Lama is up praying to the uh to the source that he serves, the to the uh to the kingdom that he belongs to. He'll be up every morning at three o'clock, doesn't matter when he goes to bed, whether it's nine o'clock, ten o'clock, midnight, or whatever, three o'clock, he's up. And so what I'm trying to demonstrate through that example is that there is a price tag for spiritual power regardless of what kingdom you are in, whether it's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the only kingdom of light. And so uh, you want to engage the spiritual price tag for power, for, uh, for a close walk with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let's go over to Psalm 16. I want us to see something over here. Psalm 16. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. Psalm 16, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Now the Lord's counsel is priceless, right? Can you imagine going to a counselor uh, and you pay him, you know, maybe $75 for uh, 30 minutes of counsel? He he tells you all he he knows and does what he can do to help you. But what if you could sit down on the blue couch and have Jesus, the counselor address your concerns, address your problems and your questions. You can, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me when, in the night seasons. So there is instruction, uh, that flows from God that is unveiled in your heart and you receive instruction from your innermost being. The Aramaic translates this as, uh, actually in your kidneys. Now it's not actually down there in your, 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 your kidneys that are, you know, filtering your blood and stuff like that, but it's, it's a, uh, metaphorical statement to help you understand that out of the very core of your being, God can bring forth the truth that you need, the instructions that you need. So contrary to popular opinion, the nighttime is not designed by God solely to be used for sleeping, okay? Uh, Yes, you're going to need some sleep, but if that is being disrupted, then use it for good, for the purposes of God. If the enemy is busy all night, why should we be sleeping all night? You know, when you do get older, you don't need as much sleep as you did when you were young. You know, if you're in your 20s, you think, okay, I need my sleep because, you know, I've got to be active and energetic and stuff like that. And that's all good, you know. Uh, that, that, that's a lot of fun to have that spring in your step, so to speak. But when you get older, there's a trade off. And you realize wisdom is way better than strength. And also, you just begin to realize, I don't need as much sleep as I did when I was young. And you can utilize that to your benefit. Now, meditating, uh, deep prayer during the day, uh, all of these things, if if they're carried out during the daytime, can be challenging. And in some situations, if we're honest, really just flat out impossible you really meditate or get into deep prayer when the phone could ring at any moment and it usually does and plus you're thinking hmm well I'm really trying to focus I hope the phone doesn't ring uh, and then right when you get dialed in you start to focus then the phone rings or you know the text messages are going off or all this all this stuff and there's a demand upon your attention or you know or you're just at work and you can't do it and so this is why so so much of these things can be done at night time such as meditating deep prayer and, everything. Uh, and at nighttime, it gives us the ability uh, at a very high level to meditate on the word of God and to do something very essential, which is to analyze the word, scrutinize the word, break it down into small parts so that you can assimilate it and understand the process, uh, pray and reflect upon scripture. This is the blessing of nighttime. And our faculties of reasoning can be very, very sharp at night. I'm going to show this to you from Isaiah chapter 1. I really like uh, this scripture. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1. Let me catch up over here. And we're going to go to verse 18. Come now and let us reason together. Can you imagine reasoning together with God? Now, you know, his reasoning ability is so sharp. But God says, come now, and you and I, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So there is a reasoning that God wants to do between you and him, And this word reason together in the Hebrew means to prove out anything. Wow. So you can have some uh, amazing conversations with God at nighttime as you and he are reasoning back and forth together. (laughs) You might say, well, God, why should I do this? Why should I do it this way? And the Lord begins to reason to you and begins to prove these things out to you. And here's something very interesting. The phrase reason together in the Hebrew also has a figurative meaning, and it means literally, are you ready for this? To be in the sunshine. So here's the thing. At nighttime, because it's so quiet and peaceful, you and God can reason back and forth together. So even though it may be taking place at nighttime, figuratively, it actually means in the Bible to be in the sunshine. Wow. And you you can reason with God concerning verse 19. How about this one? if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now you can reason that out, you and God. You can say, God, this is amazing. Is, is, is this like for real? And God will say, yeah, it's real. That's my word. It's, by, by the way, it's impossible for God to lie. <laughs> Numbers chapter 23, God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to to lie. If, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land and you reason back and forth with God. God, what are the potentials in this verse, in this word that you have stated here? Well, it's off the chart because God also is, he's able to do above and beyond that which you can ask, imagine, or, or think. So if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So you can be up at night, maybe the devil aggravated you and gave you a bad dream. Well, you're up now, you're praying, you're having good conversation with the Lord, and you can reason with the Lord over this scripture. God, I'm willing and obedient. I'm ready to eat the good of the land. Lord, what do you have for me to eat? Well, if he wants you to eat the good of the land, he wants you to live in the best of the land. He wants you to drive the best of the land, wear the best of the land. And that's what it means. It means you're going to have the best that is available. And you can reason that out with God. In the dark, and, at, and and in God's eyes, you're in the sunshine. It's time for you to live in the sunshine moment, and let it be a perpetual moment with God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let us reason together. I love that. Now, I want to encourage you: make use of the night season and tap into God's wisdom and heaven's strategy in order to never lose a battle, and in order to overcome any attack or obstacle that the devil will will put in your way. He's going to do his job. He's going to do do his thing, but allow it to actually develop you and train you to be the spiritual warrior that God wants you to be. And I would say today, as an admonition to you, no more excessive sleeping. No more excessive sleeping. Excessively sleeping Christians are defeated Christians. That that's a strong statement, and in some ways, I don't even want to say it because I don't want to uh, wound anybody. But I think this is an area where many Christians, if they'll look at this, they can realize I can do better, and it offers great potential to bear uh, spiritual fruit. Again, excessive sleeping, excess, excuse me, excessively sleeping Christians are defeated Christians. Mm -mm. you can't expect to uh, jump into a full-blown attack of the devil and you're not prayed up you haven't been meditating on the word and just think well i'm going to win there's a price tag for spiritual victory you have to be willing to pay that and when you do you can move any obstacle out of your path and go forward uh, uh, no matter what is being thrown at you praise god glory to the lord mark chapter 4 let's look at jesus mark 4 we're going to go to verse 37. Praise God. Lord, we give you praise today. And a great wind storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, so he's in the back, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It appears that uh, Peter or the, some of the other apostles they have they have fabricated or made some type of small private sleeping quarter area for the lord where he could go into this little area and lay down and uh get some sleep because the waves were breaking over the boat and uh you know if you're getting hit with cold water you're going to wake up so he's not waking up so because he has coverage and uh although the water is coming over. It's not hitting him. So we know that he had some type of little covered area, has his own pillow. He can go in there and lay down and get some sleep. And here we really do see the the humanity of Jesus. We know it's the mystery of deity and humanity together in one person. But here we see his humanity. And you may think, well, why is he so tired? Why does he have to get sleep? Well, it's not that he has the need for... Uh, sleep because you know stayed up too late tonight before watching television or you know whatever the case might be or wants to go in there and just you know well fellows it's about that time of the day one o'clock I'm gonna go in here and disappear for a little while and uh, check the news no he's tired because of the demands upon his life for ministry and the need to really be prayed up going into the days so he's not getting a lot of sleep at night and there, there is an understanding among elite soldiers when you are being deployed on secretive missions and uh, you don't know how long it's going to last or how it's all going to unfold because everyone's different. Every mission is different. But there's this understanding concerning sleep. You just simply get it when you can because you don't know when you're going to be able to get it again. So it could be that you, you just lay down for 20 minutes while a couple of guys watch and stand guard. And you just lay down and you get about 20 minutes and then you get up and you keep going again. And that may be it for the next 12 hours, <laughs> you know, because you may not be able to later, especially if bullets are flying, you have to be awake. But there is something about sleep that is very, very sweet when it's earned, or, uh, you know, you're, you're really tired and you really could use it. Then it means a whole lot to you. Praise God. Now here's one of my books I've written called manifesting the blessings of God. And in this book, I've got a couple of chapters about praying at night. One of the chapters is called the night Hawk. And one of the chapters is also called your first and second sleep. And I've had a few scientists actually tell me sleep scientists say, pastor Stephen. It is very rare to hear somebody speak on the subject of your first and second sleep because that's almost lost knowledge in today's world. And just those two chapters alone are worth the uh, the price of this book. But uh, I want to encourage you to have this in your spiritual library because the whole book is, is good. The whole book will help you. But those chapters on praying at night and your first and second sleep... Those things can really propel you into a place where even at night you know how to handle the devil and you know how to draw near to the Lord and even take the enemy's tactics and use it against him for your spiritual benefit. Praise God Mm-mm. you don't know, let me read a little something to you that I think you'll enjoy uh, from uh, my book. Uh, this is from the chapter Your First and Second Sleep. And I want to share something for a moment that the Jewish rabbis have known for centuries, really for millennia. And let's talk about that just for a moment. This is from page 132. And it says, It appears the awake time in between the two sleep cycles has been a long-running practice for the Jews and for other cultures as well. Back before the days of electricity, when it got dark, guess what people did? They went to sleep why there 's no electricity there 's no TV to watch there 's no radio to listen to there 's no youtube to stream there 's nothing. The lights are out and if you don 't have the oil to burn to to produce a light um, that you can't you can 't see so what do people do? They go to sleep and in in the uh, winter, when it gets dark much earlier if if it 's dark at five thirty you know what they did They went to sleep at five thirty. And if it's summertime and it doesn't get dark until nine o'clock, well, then they had a little more sunlight and they would go to bed at nine. But let's say you're in another time uh, of the year and it's seven o'clock and it's already, the sun's down. It's completely dark. What they would do for thousands and thousands of years is they would simply just go to sleep. But when you go to sleep at seven, it's not like you need 12 hours of sleep. Guess what would happen with your normal body clock? You wouldn't wake up usually right around midnight. Why? You've been sleeping for about five hours, and scientists call that your first sleep. And then your body, once you're up, naturally wants to stay up for a little while, and people throughout millennia stayed up for an hour, two hours. And what the rabbis would do is they would study Torah Torah between the first and the second sleep. They would study the scriptures. Other people would get up, have a snack. It wasn't uncommon for people to go outside of their house and talk to their neighbor or say, oh, what a beautiful moon tonight, okay? But this was just normal. People would get up right around midnight, right around one o'clock or something like that, And then you would start to get sleepy again, and then you would go back and get your second sleep, and then you would sleep for another four hours or something like that, and get up when the sun came came up. Praise the Lord, okay? It appears the awake time in between the two sleep cycles has been a long-running practice for the Jews and for other cultures as well. In some ways, we have only touched the tip of the iceberg concerning prayers at night. Many rabbis prayed from midnight until three each night. But this time slot was expanded due to basically coffee. And because of coffee, uh, some of the rabbis would go from not only midnight till three, they would go from midnight till six and they would operate on about three hours of sleep. Uh, these things are covered in my book. I want you to get this book. It's available on my website, stephenbrooks.org. Go to the online store, click on the section called Books, and you can have it. You can also download it. If you want it immediately, you can download it as well. And uh, that's uh, those downloads are available on you know, uh, Apple and uh, different kinds of platforms. But help yourself to grow in this area with the knowledge that you need, but it's very fascinating. Uh, rabbis, they would get up and they would they would pray, but they would also study. They would study Torah for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And I have been in Jerusalem at the Western Wall at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. You might think, Pastor Stephen, what were you doing there for? Uh, I was curious. I'm like, what goes on at the Western Wall at three o'clock in the morning? Did you know at 3 o'clock in the morning, there are still yeshiva students that will come out, the whole class, and they will pray at the Wailing Wall at 2 o'clock in the morning? Now, the class is really thin out <laughs> around 3, but you'll still see these young Orthodox Jewish students. A yeshiva student is an Orthodox Jew that is attending a seminary or what they would call their version of a Bible college. What are they doing? They're up all night learning Torah. Well, when do they sleep, Pastor Stephen? Oh, they, they figure it out. They, they don't get a lot of sleep, though. But I'll tell you what, if you want to talk with them about Jesus, you better know the Word because I'll tell you they certainly do. They've got the entire first five books of the Bible memorized by the age of 12. And so if you're going to talk with them, you have to know the Word. And you, you want to be able to get into the Word and receive the revelation. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the revelation because I've read a lot of the uh, Jewish commentaries of uh, the, you know, the Talmud, and on and on it goes. I've read the great Jewish sages and sometimes it's sad how little illumination they actually have of what that actually means. Why? Because despite their great, their great intellectual genius, you can't understand spiritual things unless they are revealed to you by who? The author, the Holy spirit. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm not saying don't be intimidated or anything like that, but I am saying uh, you still need to have good knowledge of the word. So when you're up in the middle of the night, yes, you can have you can have wonderful prayer times because what's going on between that first and second sleep is that your body, uh, your brain releases a chemical and that chemical is called prolactin. And that goes throughout your bloodstream and throughout your body. It's the same chemical that a uh, hen chicken releases when that hen sits on the egg's. And I remember when I was a little kid on my grandmother's farm, I would look at all these nesting hens, and I would think, boy, that sure is boring, sitting on an egg for two, three hours. Wow, that looks really boring. Not to the chicken. That chicken is just as happy and content to sit there for hour after hour. Why? Those, those uh, enzymes and chemicals are being released into the body, and that's what happens also when you get up in the middle of the night to pray and spend time with the Lord, these secretions take place in your brain and you're able to to, um, just talk with the Lord and you're able to reason with the Lord, reason with the Lord and analyze things and make sense of things in the scripture. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. One more scripture from the book of Ruth. Praise God. I hope these things are helping you and Uh, giving some inspiration to draw near to the Lord uh, in your own way at night. Praise the Lord. We're in Ruth chapter 3, verse verse 7. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight, that the man was startled. Who knows? There are some that say he was waking up or he was startled, of course, but he's waking up. Why? He's in between the first and second sleep. <laughs> well, he certainly makes a, a quite a discovery, doesn't he? Now, it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet and he said, who are you? So he answered, excuse me. So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative, a kinsman, redeemer. Mm -mm. Okay, so we have a beautiful love story here, but it's also portraying the relationship between Christ, Boaz, and the church, symbolized by Ruth. And let me say this, Jesus has very few visitors at night. Oh, Pastor Stephen, everybody knows this. What you're teaching, everybody knows this. Hardly any Christians know this. Fewer still that even know it actually practice it. So this is what I want to say. Boaz was startled. This is unusual. He's startled by Ruth. There's a woman laying at his feet in the middle of the night. It startled him. The Scripture says it startled him. This is what the Lord shared with me. If you will startle him at midnight or, you know, at what we would call these nighttime hours, if you will startle the Lord at midnight, he will startle you with revelation as your reward. He will unveil things to you from his word. He will speak and give you a reward for meeting him at such an off time when he has so few visitors. Very, very few Christians ever startle the Lord at night. Why don't you be like Ruth and be a little bit adventurous and uh, go to meet the Lord and um, startle Him and say, "Hey, Lord, it's me." The Lord might say, "Well, uh, this is interesting. What are you doing here at one thirty in the morning? You're usually asleep." Yes, Lord, I am, but I'm here to hang out with You, to be at Your feet, to sit at the Master's feet, to be taught. By you. I humble myself, O God, to receive revelation truth from you. Mm -mm. Praise God. Again, if you startle the Lord at midnight by showing up, okay, these uh, times of devotion, if you startle the Lord at midnight, He will startle you with revelation as your reward. Praise God. Amen. Lift your hands. I want to pray grace for you to walk in this father, I pray for your people that are watching fresh revelation, fresh inspiration to be like Ruth and to meet the redeemer at night. Thank you, father. Even as midnight can denote that specific moment on the clock, but father, we also know they didn't have clocks back then. So it's, it's also speaking of just that hour. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. Let revelation flow and let mysteries be unveiled. Let the reward be experienced firsthand by your people of startling you by meeting you in these very, very unusual nighthawk times. We give you praise. Father, let your grace be released to your people to walk in this and enjoy this and to treasure it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah, praise God. The temple that was built by Solomon, and then later the temple that was built by Herod, the one that Jesus actually went to, um, they they had guards. There were openings. There were various openings. I think of the temple that Herod built, if I'm correct, right off the top of my head, there were, I think there were 23 gate door openings to the temple. Every one of them had to be guarded. Uh, the majority of the gates were guarded, or the door openings were guarded by the Levites, and I think about three of them were guarded by uh, some priestly families. But did you know there was actually uh, a temple guard supervisor that would make the rounds every night, and you didn't know when he's coming. But if you ever fell asleep as an appointed guard, a security guard, if you ever fell asleep uh, it was serious, serious business because somebody could come in and do something to try to defile the temple so um uh, you know i won 't say what the uh, temple supervisor would do, but he would do some things that would be humiliating he might he might even take his torch and uh, uh set your um your robe on fire well that 'll wake you up hmm what 's that burning? I smell something burning yeah it 's your clothes. <laughs> He found you asleep and he just took the torch and lit the bottom of your robe on fire. Hope you get put it out real quick. (laughs) Might want to start rolling around. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's a pretty severe penalty. They considered a severe disrespect to fall asleep on temple guard duty. Some of you actually have a calling, an assignment to patrol the night watch, Mm -mm, to be on the night watch. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That is actually an assignment that some of you have. Walk in that, by grace, by grace. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We give you all of the praise. Say this, say, I will, not, I will not fall asleep on my watch. Praise the Lord. I remember one certain nation got hit with some real trouble. And a, a senior prophet spoke to one of these intercessors and said, you're supposed to be covering that. That wouldn't have happened if you'd been covering that in prayer. She said, oh, God, forgive me. I completely stopped praying and getting up at night to cover that. And so what happened? The enemy came and sowed tears. Praise the Lord. I know the lady that kind of fumbled the ball. Well, she picked it up really, really quickly after she was, I wouldn't say rebuked, but certainly um, admonished in a very uh, unsmiling way by the prophet. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Some of you are going to have remarkable heavenly encounters at night. You're going to startle the Lord. You're going to think you're startling him. He's going to startle you. Praise God. All right, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive eternal life right now by putting your faith and trust in Him. If you haven't done that, do it right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner but you died to save sinners just like me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Take my life. Save me now. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Lord Jesus, strengthen me to live for you. In your name I pray. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you're a Christian that's backslidden, you've gone away from God, And you're not in right standing with God. You've gotten off in the sin, but you've heard today's message and you want to get back to God. Come back right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my backsliding. Lord, restore me back to you in a right relationship. I recommit my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me and restoring me. In your name I pray. Amen. And Jesus, if you'll live for him, he promises, he promises to make up for the years the locust, the canker worm, and the palmer worm have eaten away. If you live for him, he'll offset the lost years, and he'll make up for it in a compressed series, uh, uh, event of time. So start living all out for him right now. Praise the Lord. Let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it, set it apart as holy through this prayer. and We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we thank you. We just thank you for the mystery of the night hours of prayer, devotion. Let us use, utilize it for eternal reward and eternal Benefit. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Somebody, you're going to be translated at night. You're going to be carried in the Spirit at night, and it will not be a one-time event. Look, when you learn to ride a bicycle, it's not like you got to relearn it all over again. Once you're up and riding, then uh, you can get back on the bike anytime and go. Praise the Lord. Some of you are going to be taken into that walk of traveling in the Spirit. Get ready, Father. We receive the body of Jesus. We give you praise in his name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sin, you would forgive us, wash all of our sins away. We ask you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Father, that we are in right standing with you because we're in Christ. And we're walking in forgiveness. And Father, we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive them completely. And we go on in the rich uh, life that you have planned for us. Thank you, O God, for abundance in every area of our lives. Thank you for uh, empowering us to enjoy our inheritance in real life experience. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. I think this practice of spending time with the Lord at night will help many of you to move from a place of knowing what the truth is, knowing the reality of what God promises, to actually begin seeing it manifest it. Praise the Lord. Because you will have won the day before the sun ever comes up. Mm-mm. Now, you may be a little bit tired. You may be quite a bit tired. But also, there's grace. If you do this the right way, there's always a sustaining grace because the last thing you want to do also is go off to work and you're all wiped out at work and you can't work well because your head's not focused because, you know, you think you're tired. Anytime the Lord's in it, there is a sustaining grace to be at your very best. Mm -mm. So I'm talking about not something that's just done out of some type of great iron wheel. Uh, Although there is that element of pushing yourself. But I'm talking about something where you're riding, you're riding on grace. It's like being on a surfboard and the waves carrying you. You just got to stand up and stay on the board. But uh, you're being propelled by another force that's moving you. And that's what the Lord will do. And you'll be fresh. You'll be just fine. It really is a kingdom mystery. My friends, thanks for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Stay blessed. Bye-bye.